In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to Awaken180WeightLoss.com. Hello, and welcome to Between the Lines. On this show, you will hear about and from lesser-known Canadian authors and writers who, for whatever reason, have remained under the radar of traditional publishers and publishing houses. If it has something to do with writing or the writing process, you are going to hear a discussion about it here. I'm your host, Randy Lacey, and I encourage you to grab your bevy of choice, get comfy, and get ready to go between the lines. People come into writing in several different ways. For some, it was the teacher at school handing out a writing assignment. For others, it may have been by reading and wondering if they might be able to write. Every writer has started their writing journey on a different path. Each writer's journey will be different, yet similar. But one thing all writers have in common is a different destination. On this episode, I will be speaking with Calgary, Alberta's own Elizabeth Witten, the author of Houses of the Old Blood, a YA contemporary fantasy novel. Hello, Elizabeth, and welcome to Between the Lines. Hi, Randy. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. It's funny, it was really great to actually meet you. We've had a few conversations online, and it's been really fun. So I'm really excited to uh, have a chat with you. Yeah, it should be uh, rather interesting. So well, why don't we just get right into it then? And rather than have me read off uh, you know, a few de- details about you, okay. I'm sure the audience would love and enjoy to hear it from your own voice and your own words. So I will yield the microphone to you. Well, thank you very much. So as as you said, I live in Calgary. So I live in Calgary with my husband and my daughter. And I also have a son here who's married. And um, they're expecting their first baby. So that's some excitement coming up in my near future. I've lived in Calgary probably maybe 15 years. It's kind of like, I feel like um, Haley's Comet. I, I, my hometown is actually Grand Prairie, Alberta. And then we came, we moved here for 12 years. And then we moved back home for a few years. And then we came back. To Calgary. So we just decided, okay, Calgary's where we're meant to be. So this is where we sort of stayed. And it's, it's a great place. I really, my hat, my hobbies, I, I do love cooking. I will say that. If they say never trust a skinny cook, then you can trust me. <laughs> Cause no. I'm not a skinny cook. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, like, you know, I like you if I try to feed you. Basically, that's it. <laughs> Well, isn't that the way to anybody's heart is? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. As far as hobbies go, I think the whole reading, the whole reason I got into writing was 
because I really suck at everything else. Like I'm not good at quilting. I got to cross stitch. So yeah, pretty much writing is it. <laughs> so anyway, uh, that is, is just a passion. I love it. And, and that's where most of my energy is put towards aside from my family. And um, cooking. Yeah. And cooking and cooking. So that's a little bit about me. I live in Northern Calgary or as we like to say, Southern Airdrie. And, uh, yeah, just, just love the country and the people. Well, excellent. Thank you for the, uh, the self introduction. And I guess we'll move right into uh, question period. So the first question I'm going to ask you, and, uh, you know, you might have to strain your memory a little bit here, but do you recall the first time you were inspired to write outside of an educational setting? Okay. Well, you're right. I used to write a lot in education, in an educational setting at school. I got a lot of, that was the one thing I did really well. And that's what I got a lot of notoriety for, but then, you know, you leave school and you go into different directions, but uh, I always wrote like, I always had a drawer full of, say, a third completed novels or half started short stories. You know, I was always, always, always writing, but it was just never anything I took seriously. Then um, I was coming home from work one day, lived in Calgary, was working downtown in one of those big, tall office buildings. And I was coming back home on the bus. And that's usually quite, you know, after work, it's kind of a dusty, tired ride in the in the city and everybody's pretty quiet. And um, there's this guy looking at me and I was thinking, that's weird. And then I thought, oh, what if that guy had gold eyes? And then I thought, what if I got off the bus and he followed me? So then he turned away and didn't look at me. I doubt he was even looking at me. But, but anyway, so this, this was spinning in my head. And all of a sudden, I got this story in my head. And I just couldn't. I went home. I started writing it. I had kids to look after, kids to feed, things like that. But all I did was spend every second I could on this this story. Like I was utterly possessed by this book that I wrote, which was turned out to be Houses of the Old Life, which you had mentioned. I was totally, it was, it was, I've never experienced a passion like that, like a passion. Like I've always loved writing, but never like that. So when I finished it, um, you know, I'm sure the first draft sucked, but at the time I thought it was brilliant. But, you know, that was the start of my serious, sort of serious four-way into writing. And basically that book, like I persevered with that book. I rewrote that book. I, because I just had this sort of love and passion for it and really kind of, got me into my writing career. And from there, sprung all things. I joined, I went to um, When Words Clyde. I joined writing communities in town. I got into critique groups. My writing improved, 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 improved. And then finally, sort of, I was ready, you know, that book was ready to be published. So that was uh, kind of where I became serious about writing. Since then, I've written. In, we'll get into that a little bit okay, later. later. Sure. Go for Don't it. get ahead of the interviewer. Yeah. <laughs> You're fired. No, I'm kidding. Damn it. <laughs> and I don't even look like, you know, well, I'm not even going to mention his name because that'll get people mad too. What is your philosophy on writer's block? Oh, you know, that is a great question. That's why I asked. I kind of, there you go. That's why you're good at your job. Um, <laughs> that I used to have this kind of feeling about writer's block because like, I was always really passionate about my writing. Generally, um, the hard part about my writing was finding time to do it. So anytime, you know, I'd get down and start writing it. Because, you know, I had a family looking after the family and all that kind of stuff. 
you know, there's not that much time in your day if you're working that you can get to it. But anyway, I never really, I thought, ah, that writer's block, it's kind of like a thing. People, you know, they don't, it's just discipline. It's just self-discipline. If you're, you know, you just need to sit down and write. That's what you need to do. Well, I finished House of Blood. Lots of good things happened with that book. We'll get into later. Um, my son got married. A whole bunch of things happened. And, uh, so I, I won an important award, which was great. But, um, after that, I sat down. It, it was huge. Like I was, it was a huge emotional things, many things going on in my life. I sat down and I had the mother of all writer blocks. <laughs> like it just hit me. I couldn't write a thing. It, it was the scariest, probably one of the scariest times of my life. How I dealt with that was, uh, I just took some time off because basically I was burnt out. And I have a really cool friend. Um, she's a, a neurosurgeon, which is always nice when you have a problem, problematic brain. <laughs> but anyway, she, she wrote a book and, and basically you have to refill your creativity well. You can't just make demands on it and pull on it and pull on it. You have to take time. You have to take time to go for walks. You have to take time to read other books. You have to also realize that the energy you're writing, that creativity, you can, it's, it's not always an infinite source. It has to be replenished. So, so that was a really good thing I learned from her. So anyway, that's what I did. Took some time off, did my walks, those kind of things. Anyway, uh, after that, um, I still couldn't really write. So what I did was I just wrote, I just wrote anything that came to my mind. I journaled those things and slowly and, and then it came back and then it came back. So that, that was a really difficult time. I've had like the, the blocks where, you know, oh, I just can't write this chapter. It's like, you know, I don't want to write this chapter. This is boring. And usually it's often for me, it's a transitional chapter. And um, in those cases, um, I have a lot of strategies. I just say, okay, well, maybe we'll come back to this chapter later, or um, maybe I'll try to get through it. Usually though, if I'm having trouble, if I've got a block, it's because I don't know my character. Or I don't know what's going on with my story. Or, you know, I'm not exactly sure where it's headed. Like, I always have a big plan. But, you know, sometimes getting there, you can, you can go here and you can go there. And you can diverge and not even realize you've done it. So what I have to do is, um, sometimes what I'll do is if I'm having trouble with a character, I'll just interview them. I'll sit down and say, you know, what's your deal? <laughs> and I'll have this really very bizarre conversation with my character that I really wouldn't share with anyone else. I, I'll have that talk and get that clear because then I discover motivation or maybe I didn't understand something about them or maybe I hadn't, you know, worked something out with them. So, and I do, I treat them like a person and, and I, and they get back to me and then, and that sometimes helps it. Sometimes time helps it. Sometimes writing the other chapters help it. So, so I have a lot of strategies. I'll, I'll try to find a new song. We'll get to that one later too. And so I have a lot of strategies. And generally, I can write through it. I haven't had a block that stymied me like that one big, massive block. But what that big, massive block taught me was respect. You know, you you have to make sure you take time for other things. And you have to make sure you keep your um, yourself replenished. And you have to make sure, you know, you, you can't make constant demands when you don't have anything to pull out. You have to sometimes, you have to step back. And so that particular block taught me an awful lot about, about writing, a respect for myself and and what I work with. And then the other little tiny blocks generally, I want to I start saying bad things to myself. Oh, you're lazy, you're this, you're that. But it's actually not true. It's it's something stuck. You haven't figured something out. 
or maybe you're just drained. And so you have to just figure what that out is, whatever stopping you is, and you address it, and then you move on. So so I guess with blocks, I think um, in a funny way, they're kind of helpful things because they indicate something's wrong and you got to fix it. And then sometimes, you know, maybe I just don't want to write this this uh, chapter because, like I said before, it's really boring. I think it's boring. So that, so then I challenge myself. I say, all right, this chapter is going to be the flipping best chapter in the book. <laughs> and you're going to put stuff in this chapter and you're going to weave all sorts of things in it. And you're going to make this chapter the best flipping chapter in the book. And you know what? that I've done that and it happens several times. So basically what I do is I challenge myself to up my. So, yeah, that's a lot about writing is head games. <laughs> it's it's a very crazy space. So as you can imagine, I've, I've interviewed your, you're my 15th uh, oh, interview wow. <laughs> for season one. And I've received a lot of different answers with regards to that question. And the predominant response has been to step away, but remain creative. Mm-hmm. Uh, and others, you know, there's, there's been um, various other responses, but the reason for the block, you've pretty much touched the same aspects as everybody else. Mm-hmm. Continuing it, you're, approach has been a little bit different but i think in general and i hate to speak in general terms because we're all so different but there is a commonality with everyone i've had one person who said they they've never had writer's block i personally don't get writer's block i write until there's nothing left to write and then i walk away and then i come back and if there's something i continue if not i go on to something else Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. I like to hear how other people respond and mm-hmm. or deal with or, you know, uh, get beyond it. I would say to people, because I heard one guy said, there's no such thing as writer block. It's just the right, uh, lazy writers. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think that's what it is. I think use your writer's block as a way that it's it's telling you something that you need to address and then find a, a creative way to solve it. I would never use it to beat myself up. No, and you shouldn't say that. Yeah. But, you know, people being what they are, they do. They do, yeah. And, and no, don't do that. Just find a way around it or attack it from a different angle or whatever, or just rest. But yeah, don't, don't ever get into that nature game because I don't think that does anything for anyone's writing. This next question is probably one of my favorite questions to ask. Because it can, it can, <laughs> there's so many different answers. Do you have any rituals or superstitious things you do before starting a writing project or after completing one? Oh, you know, I do rituals. I wish I had a cooler answer to this question because I can see it would be fun. <laughs> I burned a candle. I, it's, it's starting. So, so yes, this isn't going to be kind of any exciting kind of spiritual thing or it's just basic common sense but I give myself a start date you can be starting going to start a project for years <laughs> every time you give yourself oh I'll start the project when this is done or I'll start the project when I finish my basement or I'll start the project you know after these people come visit me all of a sudden two or three years have passed you haven't started your project so it's really important for me I, I set a date and then no matter what, unless, you know, barring catastrophe, I start on that date and, and I make a commitment to that date. 
And that's when I started, no matter what I finished, no matter what I haven't finished. So, and then my starting ritual, it's going to bleed into one of our other questions, but generally it starts with a playlist. Like I, I try to get the songs that will get me in the mood for this particular piece. And a lot of books are very different. Their moods are different. Their, um, you know, their colors are different. Their settings are different. So I try to find the music that adds to that. So, and we'll get onto that later. So that's kind of, I make sure everything is completely clear in my work area. Any, any detriments from the previous project is gone. Anything to do with anything else except what I'm going to be working on is gone. And what I'm working on is what I focus on. That's just kind of, kind of my little ritual as far as starting. Ending a project, again, it's not super exciting, but I clean up. I, I clean up online. I put everything in order in all my different folders. I put it all together. I basically, sometimes I'll delete the playlist. Sometimes I won't. Then I'll take a few days just to finish off things I put off, like my household tasks, this and that. And I'll stay away from the computer for a couple of days just to uh, give myself a fresh start for whatever new project I'm starting. And I'm generally always working on something. Like I, I publish short stories. I've had my short stories published. I'm writing. I have an agent, so I'm working on a, a book for her. Those kind of things. So I always usually have something I'm working on. But I I try to have, like, you can write a story and edit a different story, but you have to have a demarcation in the time during the day. But when I'm actually writing something, it's dedicated. I have a dedicated time during the days. So, yeah, so it's all, it all works together. When I came um, up with it. this question, I had something specific in mind, and nobody's gone there yet, so that's fine. But have you seen the movie Misery? You know, I haven't. I know about So it's based on a Stephen King story about an author who goes out to the country to finish his book. And then, you know, some crazy fan is obsessed with him. And well, anyway, but he, when he finishes a book, he has a glass of champagne and a cigarette. And the cigarette is the only time he ever smokes is when he finishes his book. So that's that, that's kind of what I was going for, but I've I've heard some interesting responses. I think I'm going to make up an interesting response because that's a very cool question, and I really, you know, as writers, we give ourselves lies because we're making up lies all the time, right? Well, we I have to make ourselves unique. In a way. That way. <laughs> Don't we? We have to make ourselves unique in a way. I love smoking. Like if I did that, though, I wouldn't stop at one smoking. I don't smoke now, but uh, I used to smoke when I was young. But yeah, drink sounds good. That sounds really good. That's a very cool answer. Yeah, I'm going to think about that question. I might have something better to say the next time I'm asked. Well, write it down so you don't forget. I know. <laughs> <laughs> about why, that's the thing about writers. We like telling stories, right? Oh, well, that's what we are. <laughs> that's what we are. Sometimes they think we're liars. We're liars and we're thieves. <laughs> well, yeah, we're professional liars. Yeah, and thieves. We'll steal. Like, we see something really cool. We'll steal it. We... And uh, we make up stories and we embellish. So, yeah. Next question. And it, this fits right in. What is your writing goal? My writing goal. I have like, I have daily goals. I have weekly goals. I have monthly goals. My overall goal, I want to be a hybrid author who's traditionally published and also um, self-published because I think it's, it's the best path to success. I've done both. And what I like about the uh, publishing it yourself is you have a lot of control. And if you're traditionally published, you know, you kind of have to listen to the editor, which is fine. But, you know, 
yeah, they might take you in a different direction. Sometimes, you know, there's, they'll, they'll be a little talk about certain things that you've written and stuff like that. It kind of you work together, but, uh, there's a lot of, it's, it's a really, um, I really just want to keep going on that. That, that thing, uh, my hope is, you know, I'm doing this because I hope I can eventually get a wide readership because I think it would be really cool if people did read my books and enjoyed them. I would really love that a lot. And, and so that's kind of my goals. I usually, I kind of have yearly goals where I try to get, you know, I want to publish one of my Houses of the Old Blood books. That's a series as well as a book. I want to publish a certain number of short stories. I want to write another book and then hopefully get my, um, and that would be one for my agent to go out and hopefully um, take it to the world and find a place for it. So, so I do have a lot of sort of irons in the fire. And then, um, probably for me challenging my, my one goal that really, that's affiliate, it's not even close to writing that's always my most challenging goal is to like master this social media. Cause, uh, I love, you know, I love certain aspects of it, but to turn it into something that's sort of a, a platform for your writing, mm-hmm. that's, that's the challenge for me that I really want to um, really want to master. So that's kind of what I'm into right now. I want to write an adult series in speculative fiction. I wrote this one short story and just the response to it, people just want more. So I, I kind of have a whole idea of a series I wouldn't mind based on that particular short story and character. And that would be adult speculative fiction. Well, science fiction is what it would be. So yeah, I really love the speculative fiction genre. There's nothing, I, I don't find uh, anything outside that genre that appeals to me, to tell you the truth. So that's just, that's just where my heart is, is speculative fiction. And that's where I want to achieve and things like that. I'd love to get a short story published one day in Clark's World. Um, if I ever got a short story, pub, you know, that published in, um, Asimov or Analog, that would be amazing. That would be a lifetime goal. I did achieve one of my lifetime goals this year, and uh, one of my short stories was published in on spec, which is a really fantastic Canadian speculative fiction magazine. So, so that's kind of where I'm at. We'll get into uh, where we can find some of your stuff in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you were talking about traditional publishing and self-publishing, mm-hmm. and this isn't one of our scheduled questions, but this is just the nature of of the beast. With this is. Other questions come up as we go. And so the idea of self-publishing, you said you're in control. And when you're going traditional, the editor's in control. The bigger picture, though, do you think anyway, is is when you're traditionally published, you're working for somebody else and not yourself. Mm-hmm. Kind of like you write the book. For you, well, you know, you write the book. Well, they're making money off of you as well. But then when they publish the book, yeah, because you sell your rights to them. You get your rights back eventually, but yeah, you sell your rights to them. They own your book. That's hard. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's hard. That's really, really hard because that's your baby and you've given it everything and you love it. And um, you've agonized over every word you put into it. And then now you are accountable to someone else. And that's hard. Yeah. And, you know, not like I said earlier, I'm not in writing for the money, mm-hmm. but I like to be in control of my stuff. Yeah. I don't want to work for anybody because yeah. when you start working for a publishing company, now they're after you saying, oh, we want another book. We want another book. We want another book. When you're working for yourself, maybe I'll write another book. 
There's a difference, right? Yeah, totally. I know an author in Calgary, and he's managed to do it really well. Um, he is traditionally published by Hatchet, and he also has a really good self-publishing kind of line of books. And he makes it really work well. So, I th- so so perhaps he's kind of found a trade-off where he's willing to give up, you know, sort of that authorial control for the traditionally published books. But he has still has, you know, complete control over these area of books. And maybe that's a, a good way to handle it. Right? Like, Could be. Yeah. So I think he's done very very well. Next question. What is your preferred writing tool? PC and software versus pen and paper versus typewriter and why? Oh God. I wish I loved Scrivener. It would be so nice to have a, a writing tool that organized you and I have tried so hard to use Scrivener and you know a writing. So, so what Scrivener is, if your audience doesn't know, it's, um, it's kind of a writing package. And it helps you store all your ideas and it, and pictures and things and all the, in, all the research you do and, and, and it helps you make up these cards. And the whole intent of it is then you do, it also um, allows you to write on a document and then you can compile your document and make a nice book. And I love that idea, but I can't make it work for me. So this is, this is what I use. I use my laptop. And honestly, I don't think I could have been an author before. The invention of word program, you know, word <laughs> like that, because my spelling is horrendous, which is not something you should write about as an author. It, it just helps me write fast, and it helps me change things fast. And and so I, I I don't even think I could write without without word, like with word processing. I truly am. I, I have a girlfriend. She was actually up for an, uh, uh she was a finalist for a governor general. She does it all by longhand, and I don't understand. I really don't. And then I know someone else who actually uses a physical typewriter. Like I can type, but you know what? I'm a terrible typist and you spend a lot of your time correcting. And so no, that wasn't for me either. So basically what I do, this is my process. I have sticky, I use sticky notes. (laughs) I could not write without sticky notes. Uh, When I'm, when I'm outlining a story, I kind of like, I take a weekend off. So I, I use whiteboards, I use sticky notes. I use um, Excel spreadsheets to do my outlining, and then I write it on a Word doc. So that's how I do, and uh, that's what works for me. And I wish, I wish, I wish I could use Scrivener because I think it would keep you really organized. All right, so it's let's get back to you. So next question then: When you write, do you prefer silence or do you have something playing in the background? And if so, what is it? Well, music. It's very important to my writing process. I use it a lot. Music is um, one of my primary tools to get myself in a mood or to adjust the pace that I'm writing at. What else would I say? To to sort of even get a fix on a character. So music for me is good. And a lot of times when I, I think I mentioned before, when I'm starting a new book, um, one of the first things, or a short story, one of the first things I do is try to find a song that kind of gets me into the mood or that I can tie to a book. Or tied to the to the plot, and a lot of times I'll even use music if I'm kind of stuck, you know, at a certain place. And I actually did that with a short story that I got published called, um, yeah, a short story that I was working on. And I had this one scene that I couldn't get into it. So then I found this really cool cover of uh, Nirvana's Heart Shaped Box, 
and with the exact vibe of what I was trying to get across. And I really, I find like that kind of cross promotion, like the cross germination between music and writing really works together to, to sort of get you, um, get you, your creative juices flowing if you want to use that. Term. So give me five songs from your playlist. Um, let's see. I have a bunch from Missio. So, um, what were they? Let's see. Nothing but thieves, Florence and the Machine. I was really for this one book I was writing to. I was really into Silverson pickup. Those were all contemporary stories. So those ones were, um, I think B, B, Honeybee, um, Skin Graph. Uh, I could go on. Um, so yeah, so there's like, I was wrote this one dystopian. I listened to, and all I did while I wrote that was listen to Copy Christ, which is very kind of hardcore rock. And on that one, um, Surrender, Throat of Glass, Never Surrender, Body Beat. Those were several titles from that. So a lot of it depends on what I'm writing. Yeah. Let me I, just interrupt you right there, okay? Yeah. For the benefit of those that are listening, I'm looking at Elizabeth, and the music that she's telling me doesn't fit with what I'm seeing. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Tell them why, Elizabeth. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm just a middle-aged woman. <laughs> I, I mean, no offense by that. You know that, right? What you see, you can't, doesn't always um, portray what you, yeah, I guess I wouldn't come. But then if you read some of my short stories, you probably think the same thing. <laughs> I have a ride for, you know, the reason I like writing YA is because I'm basically very immature. Like I really stopped aging past 22. So <laughs> what I'm listening to right now, I'm really kind of stuck in 90s, 90s industrial rock right now. So Stabbing Westward, um, Godhead, which is kind of like a punk band. You know? mm-hmm. it, it depends on what I'm, I'm writing, you know, and the vibe I want to get. What you I, you remind me of somebody that I was on the streets with back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm having a, I have a feeling that might be happening. <laughs> but she was from Victoria. You're not from Victoria. Okay. So. All right. So we're going to move on to the next section, which will be the part of the show where you, Elizabeth, get to talk about your published works or your current work in progress and, and other things. So let's, let's move right into that questioning. Okay. So can you let the listeners know about your published works? or book, or whatever, and where they can find them. Okay. Well, House of the Old Blood was my first published work that's published by a very small publisher called Kettlescon Press. And um, it's it's a contemporary, modern, urban fantasy, kind of a coming-of-age story of a young girl who, it's a very basic trope, it's a very, very common trope, who um, doesn't know who she really is. And she spends the rest of this book finding out who she really is. And um basically, she, yeah, she does, basically, she spends a whole book trying to protect her human family from all the um, dangers that come about because she's, you know, someone who's very different. And um it's really a great book because I really love, my big thing that I like about writing, I love to write strong women in my books. Um I'll never write a, a YA book about mean girls. I'll never have that kind of dynamic where two girls are fighting over one boy. It, it's not where I'm at. I like strong women. I've known strong women. 
And I like to portray women as strong in my books. And I like the women, you know, and what I really want is my, the, the women or the young girls who are, are developing, who are um, growing, you know, they're finding themselves and they're finding strength in themselves and they become powerful people in their own right. And this, this is kind of what I'm really into with my books, especially my Houses of the Old Blood series. I've, uh, that first book won something called Aurora Award, which is, um, given out by the, um, Canadian um, Fantasy and Science Fiction, no, Science Fiction and Fantasy Association. You better get it right. Yeah, better get it right. It's a very, uh, it's very, it's it's a good award to win in Canada. It's the best one you can get in speculative fiction. That organization is great, and um, I would recommend anybody. So, anyway, my story. Um, I was fortunate enough. I was a joint winner with Fonda Lee in her YA book that she won Crossfire. So it's it's a very cool book. Margaret Atwood's won one. You know, a lot of top Canadian authors uh, have won one, and it's 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 a very very cool thing. Anyway, enough of that. So that's uh, uh, some pretty prestigious company, then. Yeah, yeah. Neil um, Gibson. He's my favorite author. Just William Gibson. He wrote um, *Year of Mats*, or he got an award for that. Margaret Atwood's won an award for one of her graphic novels. She actually had a graphic novel. So she won an award for that. So it's funny she um, doesn't mention that in her master class. Yeah. You, thing but she it's yeah she won a word from that but i mean she's won so many awards i can't she could if she started telling all the words she won she wouldn't get done talking for a day so anyway lot it, it honors canadian writers in the speculative fiction arena and that's really really cool so kudos to them and i'm very proud of that award i've i have a second book in that series on tower of um uh, or i should say hopefully miss seneca I'm currently working on Tower of Stones, the third book in that series. So that's, and it's all contemporary. And it's, a, I mean, I just continue with the um, strong women and sort of Addie's sort of journey through a very strange, bizarre world. And where all she cares about is keeping those she loves safe and her universe just expands and she's very challenged. And it's really cool. You know, I just love being in that world as I write it. I also wrote a book with my agent right now it's a horror kind of a dark thriller i called it ashen so she's got it out right now she's out selling it and uh it's kind of a a darker story which is really 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 fun to write because you know going a little bit deeper into darker things not in terms of just the paranormal but just in terms of of our own sort of personality and and this girl's point of view and who she is so that was a really fun fun one and it, it talks about a lot of troubling issues girls face so it's really interesting, and it was really fun. Book. Anyway, I've done a bunch of short stories. I love writing short stories. My last one, it was up for Aurora. It was uh, called, um, it was in a anthology, a really great local anthology called um, Prairie Gothic. Uh, it was edited by Stacey Condla. It was a fantastic anthology, very best. Um, if you want to get a feel for the um, Calgary, Alberta sci-fi or sci-fi speculative fiction community, that's a great book. To order and you'll you'll get a good taste of it. So yeah, so those are just some of the things I'm working on. Really fun, exciting. Excellent. Is there one of your books or short stories which you are more particularly fond of, and why? Well, that's a tough one. You know, picking favorites among your children. That's why I asked it. <laughs> I asked the tough <laughs> questions. Yeah, that was a tough one. Probably. I wrote a story called The Calling, and uh, it was speculative fiction. And it was about a, a 
a girl who's a dentist for the vampires. <laughs> I love it. So on its face, it doesn't seem that deep. But actually, there was a lot of cool stuff that went into it, and it had a really cool ending. That one was also a finalist uh, for an Aurora Award. I just, I love that story so much. And yeah, right now, actually, I'm I'm writing a screenplay for it with a, a screenplay writer. We'll see what we can do with it. So, nice. So that was a, yeah, one of my favorites, I would say. Are you, well, you've already answered this in a way, but are you currently working on something? And if so, how close to being done is it? Oh, I'm almost finished writing um, the third book in my series, my House of the Old Blood series called Tower of Stones. Mm-hmm. And I'm also concurrently <laughs> working on a short story, uh, which is very different. It's um, about, basically, it's a sci-fi noir. So it's about detectives in space. So, yeah, a lot of diversity in my writing, which is, you know, why I love science fiction. I write uh, YA, but I also write adult fiction. I'm probably going to be, my YA is under my pen name, which is Elizabeth Witten. My adult fiction, it's, you know, it's kind of, it can get graphic and darker or whatever. Not appropriate, not appropriate for um, a children's audience. So that one I'll probably be doing more under my um, real, my, my true name. I, I like Elizabeth Witten. It's, uh, it's got a lot of connection to me with my family. I feel it, it's just a side of me. It's kind of cool when you have a pen name. It's also cool and a little bit disconcerting, but there's a certain freedom with a pen name. So here's the most important question out of it all. Okay, Elizabeth? Mm-hmm. Okay. How and where can the listeners find you on the web? Oh, okay. I'm primarily on Amazon. So, and if you want to buy my books or um, you can bookstores everywhere, you can find out about Elizabeth Whitten at www.elizabethwitten.com. And, and that's spelled W-H-I-T-T-O-N. Correct. So that's where you can find me. And then, of course, I have Twitter accounts, and they're all on my uh, website. Links to my Twitter account, my Facebook account. So your main, Elizabeth yeah. Witt- Witten. Just at- go to Elizabeth Witten. Okay, and, and it's all there. there. Yeah. Wonderful. Elizabeth, this has been, um, I don't know what to say this has been, but it's been interesting. It's been fun. And it's certainly been educational for me. And which makes for a, a good, well, you know, from my perspective, it's been good for me. So uh, I'm coming out ahead of this. So this is good. But thank you so much for agreeing to do this. And, oh, um, my gosh. It was my pleasure. I had so much fun. And it's so cool to get to know you. Um, you're such an interesting person. I, I can't wait to see where you go with your whole podcast series. I can't, I'm going to say I can't wait for the day after. Well, actually, uh, Randy interviewed me. Like, oh wow! Yeah, I think that's going to happen one day. So, well, hopefully, you have a lot of followers who will listen to the podcast. I will be putting it up on my social media. Yep. So again, thank you so much, and uh, good luck in the future with uh, your past and present and future books. Thank you so much, and um, it's just really great to be part of this whole writing community. And um, I'm glad we're kind of both members of it. It's been great to meet you. <laughs> and hello to all your fans. You've been listening to Between the Lines. In future episodes, I will be speaking with authors and writers from across the country about all things writing. If you liked what you heard, click the subscribe button to be notified of any and all new episodes or content. Be sure to visit me at 
www.therandylacy.ca. Thanks for your time and ears. Tune in, be inspired, and write on. In business, you rarely hear the expression, for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to awaken180weightloss.com.